You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Seminole Headlines podcasters? Thanks so much for listening to the program. As always, the podcast brought to you in part by our friends at the Morgan Law Group. Today, no different. Appreciate them enabling us to do this for you. What else they'll do for you is uh, work hard throughout the state to ensure uh, that the insurance companies are doing the right thing and they're not acting in bad faith. Uh, they will they'll get after the insurer if they are. They'll inspect and assess the loss on your behalf. By the way, they are throughout the state. Just because an insurance company tells you no or there's a certain amount that they're willing to give out doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Find out more. Go to policyadvocate.com. That'd be policyadvocate.com. Or call 888-904-2524. Onward we go with Seminole Headlines. It's time for Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, featuring ESPN Tallahassee's Jeff Cameron, Warchant.com's managing editor, Ira Chauffel, and senior writer, Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, pistols, and pies starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio begins right effing now. It's been two weeks. It feels like it's been two years. I miss these guys. There's Ira. There's Corey. They both work for War Chant. I work for ESPN. And you guys listen, and we appreciate that. Yeah, we're brought to you uh, by our friends at Register Sausage, of course, as well as the all-new. Hey, I've been over to Horizon a few times. How many times have you guys been there? Uh, I've been I've there been, three. Well, I've been there one time with Corey, and I've been to pick up uh, okay. two other times. Two what about you, times. Corey? Uh, just the one time. I've been up here, man. I haven't been down in Tallahassee. I'm coming back. I'm coming back, and then I'll definitely make a run there. Horizon Bar and Grill there. It's awesome. It's awesome. I like it. It's uh, it's upscale, fellas. Like not not like hoity-toity, but I'd say it's it's nicer than Spirit. That's all I'm, I'm going to say. It's just nicer than Spirit. Not that there was anything wrong with Spirit. Yeah, it's a night in the outside. It's nice. I oh, like Horizon. I sat, right, yeah. the, I sat outside with the client the other day. It was fantastic. Perfect. In uh, in on registers, I, it's hard to do two sponsors at once, Jeff. You've you kind of it. you've I, kind of conflated I the these. I do it all the time. But did you see that Ira had his own passcode, his own uh, promo code uh, for, for registers? Yeah. Yeah, and and Stephanie used it to send fifteen pounds to her brother. We fifteen <laughs> pounds of sausage brought to you by Ira. Kim, yeah, exactly right. Kim, Kim did. Kim did it too. She she ordered fifteen pounds. I'm like, maybe Ben the sausage guy hooks us up. And so she's like, no, I'm, I'm buying fifty. She, it was crazy. That was one of the coolest gifts I've ever had. I mean, because because it, it's a gift where other people got to use it. Yeah. He gave a fifty percent that day. Sorry if you're listening to this and are not on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. But that day he launched a a, a December thirty first a fifty percent off code if you bought fifty dollars fifty dollars or more of sausage and uh, man, people were, he texted me later. He's like, that might've been a mistake. 
because they were getting, yeah. getting a lot of getting a lot of orders. But uh, anyway, yeah, that was really cool. And then in Horizons, I was really happy the last time I went in there because, and it's up at uh, Bannerman Crossing on Bannerman Road off of Thomasville Road on the north side of town. And uh, I went in there when I went in there two weeks ago to get pickup. It was a Saturday about 6.30 or 7, and it wasn't – or no, no, it was a it – was it was a I can't remember what night it was, but it wasn't a great dinner crowd. And I was kind of like, oh, boy, this isn't great. But when I went in this past week to get pickup, um, it was slammed. And I and I asked Mike, the one of the owners, and I said, you know, that time I was in last time, it was a little quiet. And he said, oh, actually, that day we had a huge – we had a huge afternoon crowd, but it was a little light that evening. Um, but the day I was in, it was an awesome evening crowd, dinner crowd, but he said, no, things have been going really well. They've been really, it's a different clientele than spirit. They're getting the people who live on this side of town, but they're also getting professors who used to, this is actually cool. A lot of the professors you would see in there for lunch when it was by campus, they're seeing them at dinner now. Cause a lot of them live on that side of town. So well, horizons is awesome. It's certainly where the more educated and affluent people live like myself and you, Ira. And so it's so nice to see like-minded, <laughs> rational reasonable human beings enjoying dinner together at Horizon Bar and Grill. I'll tell you that much. It's just wonderful. You don't have to deal with the riffraff. I love it. I think if you, so if you were a wrestling heel, you would have been like the millionaire, uh, oh, Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Would have been just over you. the top. Just over the top. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't have time for dumb, uneducated people. Who does? <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yeah. Fair so point. Th- there you are. Let's go. Uh, Horizon's catering to me, baby. Let's go. <laughs> I don't think they want me to brand them that way. Uh, yeah. uh, that said, the, the restaurant for the elite. It is indeed. Uh, I think we should we should begin with uh, the most significant event that happened, which was neither Christmas or New Year's, but Ira turning fifty. And uh, I think oh, it was. Hold on. One, one, real quick, real quick, real quick. Since yeah. we're all thrown off, registermeats.com is the website. And uh, they always have free delivery, uh, free shipping on orders of over. I think it's always, but I know they have it right now. Free shipping on orders of over fifty dollars as well. So if you don't live in the Tallahassee area or the Panhandle or South Georgia right, or Jacksonville, wherever they're growing, registermeats.com. They'll ship it to you. All, All right, right so, go ahead. So Corey, what did you think when you when your boy turned fifty? Uh, it it seriously bothered me, probably much more than it bothers you, because I'm next from yeah. the crew. Uh, you know, I'm six months away, but, uh, uh, well, a little less than six months away now, but at the time I thought, you know, I'm glad he has to go into that good night before me. He's got to start the process a little earlier. I can watch and see what kind of breakdowns he has, um, what, what changes in his personality, uh, where he is, what kind of despair is written across his face. Sure. So I know what to deal with when I enter into the realm of 50, but there's still a little time for you, Corey. So you get to watch us both do it. What'd you think when you saw Ira pass over? I mean, he passed over to the other side. Yeah. It kind of makes you, you know, kind of question your own mortality. Like a little bit. Ira's 50. We're all going to die. We're all going to die, you know, at some point. So some sooner than others. And it just, yeah, it it really kind of puts it all into perspective. Doesn't it? Like the road, you can almost see the end of the road. But yeah. as as is often the case with this uh, our friendship and our relationship on the show and off the show, I lead the way and I show you guys that fifty is just a num- number, okay. and that you know it's a inside, big one though. It's a big number though, but, Ira. And inside, I'm still the same twelve year old that's going to laugh at your sausage jokes and your innuendos, Corey. Yeah, and and so it's it's okay. It's just another day. Time is a construct a construct yeah. of a. I mean, it's 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 not. 
it's not that big of a deal. And, and so when you guys get there, you will follow my lead as usual. Is usually what you guys do in your lives is you'll follow my lead. When I get there, you'll be in your mid fifties. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other problem though, Ira, is while that is true, mentally you feel that way, and I think certainly you embrace that spirit. We are biological creatures, cellularly based, and they break down. And so you do look certainly a lot. <laughs> Yeah. And maybe you feel currently. That's that's the hard part with all of this. You know? Not my not in my eye, buddy. <laughs> I'm still seeing. I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, you see the black hair, and I like point. I'll point to the four of them that are still black. Right. Yeah. Look at that. You still Look got some that. in your goatee. You still got a few black ones in your goatee. Yeah. That's the only oh, reason. So in your mind's to. eye, you're seeing 22 year old you. So there, there it is. You know, just walk around with that that thought. Uh, it's been an interesting time. I really think, and I said this yesterday on the wildly popular, still on the air, Jeff Cameron show weekdays from three to six here on ESPN Radio, that um, the University of Florida and their head coach, University of Miami, with their debacle at the end of every season, continuing a tradition, and then what we saw from Clemson getting absolutely bent over every which way to Sunday in their game, um, allowed for Florida State fans, albeit through schadenfreude, to uh, to celebrate the new year in a way we could not have anticipated and also to feel like incremental gains were had by a Florida State team that went three and six on their rivals because of the disastrous endings to the three seasons I just alluded to. And I think that's accurate. I actually think they've got a chance. The window was cracked open just a little bit. Yeah, I wrote about that uh, a few days ago about how uh, to catch someone, you gotta, you're trying to catch all three of them. Well, it certainly helps shrink the gap when the other three take a step towards you. You know what I mean? Like Florida State still got to worry about itself. It's still got to worry about like actually starting the race and sprinting to get to them. But it certainly helps if they a couple of them come up lame or pull a hamstring or something. That helps you close that gap. And I do think that uh, that that is something that you could maybe take a little solace in watching that because that game, the Cotton Bowl. It, I, I'm not going to say it was a precursor to what Florida will be next year. They will be better. They will have players that want to play in the game and they'll prepare it all season. But that's kind of what it might look like without your four best offensive players. You know what I mean? That that wasn't pretty. And the defense was bad all season. So that might be what it looks like without Kyle Trask. It probably will be better than that. But still, that was ugly. And then Miami, I don't even know what you say about that defense. I mean, that defense just imploded at the end of the year. And then, um, and then Clemson, there's no way Clemson could be as good. Clemson will still be better, probably much better than Florida State. But they won't be as good as they were this year uh, without Trevor Lawrence, without ETN, without uh, the, the the receiver, Rodgers. They just can't be, right? Well, and I was thinking, I was saying as I was reading your uh, column to post on uh, warchant.com, Corey, um, your racing analogy, and you were saying, you know, you, it, it helps if the the guy, the, the person in front of you takes a step backwards. I'm saying, accept it with the old uh, Walter Dix, Corey Clark race analogy, where you wouldn't need to really slow, come back, slow down. We could start him 20 or 30 or 40 yards behind you, and he would still just run right past you. I don't, again, if we're, ra- I, well, so again, the I'm math a- doesn't add up, Ira. If we're, if me and Walter Dix are racing 100 meters, you guys were saying I would need a 60-meter at the start. <laughs> I, I said 60. That was Ira. I, uh, I said 40. So if I ran – but I could – don't you think I could run 60 meters in 10 seconds? I don't know. 10 and a half? Well, you're sure. right. I might, it might be – and I'd get kind of winded there at the end if my hamstring <laughs> – my hamstring I, I, might pop. 
Yeah, yeah. The hammy would tighten up. Stretch, I don't know. You'd be ten meters away from the finish line, and I'd be worried about you. Yeah, stretch, yeah. Stretch, stretching that forty out to sixty, Corey. That's where it's that's like. I want. I want to do the uh, the thing at the Braves games when fans are allowed back with the freeze. freeze? Oh yeah, yeah and I, see if I could beat him with a head start because that's that's my favorite thing in sports is watching him just dust people from uh, sixty yards back. It's especially Maybe. good when people begin to uh, celebrate, celebrate, <laughs> and get smoked or fall on their face, which is yeah, also awesome. all three. You know, I've noticed that it's a weird thing, also, and Ira can relate to this being in his fifties. That uh, the hard I'm, part I'm about at, I'm at fifty actually, at right at fifty. Yeah, you're, really, you're in your fifties. So, yeah, you're in your fifties. Yeah, so Just stepping I, I into the fifties. The difficult part about uh, aging in general, but especially as you get to where Ira is, is <laughs> I, I feel like. Wait. So you're going to be there when? In June. Yeah. So okay. uh, it's a world away from now. Uh, I mean, we got months, months. <laughs> uh, you'll be damn near 51. So like the way <laughs> I look at it is that the hard part about aging is that, you know, in your brain, what you're attempting to do and what you're trying to do. And you tell your body to do it. But invariably, for no good reason, you just fall down. Yeah. You just fall down, and that's really the part that bothers me most, that sprinting of any kind leads to injury and a fall, no matter what, after the age of 40. Even when you're racing, uh, uh, you know, fellow journalists in parking lots <laughs> after basketball games. Sometimes your hamstring's going to pop. a girl in a parking lot, Corey. A woman, a very, uh, a very athletic one, but I yeah. dusted her. Um, but, yeah, so that, that I, I do think that – that Florida State fans got a sliver of hope. Now, come on, and man. It, and it wasn't all shot. It's not all Schadenfreude. I mean, that was that's the thing. True. Like, because when I first tweeted something about it, and some people came back to me and like, "Oh, that's that's where we're at." And it's not all Schadenfreude. There is a practical part to it, which Corey was just talking about. Is that you know it 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 helps you if you look back at Florida State, Florida, and Miami. They were never all three great at the same time. And usually, when one of the three, or rarely, and one of the, the three, beg to differ. Well, but usually one of them, for one of them, if they were behind, for them to catch up or yeah. pass the others, they needed the other ones to slip up. Either Miami going on probation one of the six times they went on probation or uh, Florida going on probation one of the bunch of times they went on probation. Something would have to happen for that for the for the other side to, to make up the ground. So and we don't know if that's it, but, but you know, I've got friends – Couple of friends of mine who are very big Florida fans who are uh, very happy right now that the signing period was in December and they locked up most of that class because uh, things aren't looking great with old Dan Mullen and in the future, the immediate future right now for them. Hey, well, let's I'll dangle this out here. Normally we go to headliner questions in the second hour, but this is so applicable and we'll then we'll pause and come back and talk about this. But uh, uh, Christian writes. Happy birthday to Ira. I got back, I go back at the beginning of every year to listen to the 2017 episode after the Falcons lose to the Patriots. Corey's, oh. Corey's sadness is funny every time. <laughs> what? what in the Hold world on. is this? Stop Hold reading. On. It is applicable. Hold on. Okay. Okay. Uh, Corey's sadness is funny every time. In there, Jeff goes on and on about how great it is to be a knoll. Baseball team, softball team, top recruiting class in the nation, basketball team kicking ass. You couldn't wait for the Alabama-FSU opening game. If I told you what the next four years looked like, not one winning football season, would anyone have believed me? Well, to your point, Ira, about Florida, you kind of see glimmers of that. You kind of see sort of this, this unraveling a little bit. I don't know that we see it as much with Clemson. I think that's the... 
that's the race that's probably it's a bridge too far, Corey. I don't think we're getting there yeah. anytime soon. But you can see it with Miami, who people forget just a year before this one had a losing record, lost at home to Georgia Tech, and got shut out in their bowl game. It's not like Miami's been any good for 20 years. They haven't. So we're not too far away from them. Clemson's a, a good bit away, but I think Florida's in a little bit of trouble here. We'll talk about it next. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank. Returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Yeah, so Florida's not going to fall off a cliff next year, but at the time that we're recording this, Seminole headlines, the curse could could strike. We could find out that Dan Mullen's the next coach of the Falcons, Corey. Wouldn't you be elated? Um, no, no chance. No, no. chance. <laughs> Golly. He wants you to know he's available, Corey. I know, so, yeah, but no. Yeah, yeah, but so the point would be that um, – I don't think that those two are in love anymore. You know, Dan has embarrassed his lover around every turn. Uh, he has said dumb things publicly daily throughout the course of this year. He has done dumb things publicly throughout the course of this year. And the way this season ended, it almost seems like it's it's mutually agreed upon that they should part ways. It feels that way. It may not happen. But just looking at the way Florida's responded and the way that Dan Mullen has responded to the end of the season, I'm not sure that those two are going to be long-term partners. I mean, if you're if you're Dan Mullen, and, and you, you did a pretty good job of documenting why Florida fans, or Florida's administration particularly, uh, is is concerned right now. The Texas A&M comments that oh, we should pack ninety thousand in into the swamp, and uh, you know, showing up at the press conference with Darth Vader. Well, don't forget, they literally had a COVID outbreak the next week, a day later. <laughs> yeah, after he said that. Well, and then, he also know, tried to incite a fight on the yes, sidelines. Yeah, beyond, he yeah. Did. So a lot he of dumbass things that he's done. So he's yeah. done all those things. So the their standpoint. You can also kind of see it from Dan Mullen's standpoint. From the, for, first of all, I imagine in Starkville they put up with a lot more crap than the people in Gainesville are putting yeah. up. With in ter- yeah, exactly. What are their options? The next up is Mike Leach. So they're they're gonna, Mississippi State when they make a hire, they know they got to put up with some nonsense. Um, the other part of it is, you know, he looking at that roster, man, they are losing so much, and they're losing that quarterback that. I mean, Trask was, I mean, he's not the Heisman winner. He shouldn't be the Heisman winner, but he, he's a really good player. And, you know, the way the, you know, they, they, had, they had the best tight end in the country. I thought uh, the Tony kid, I mean, I, he was phenomenal. Um, Grimes. I mean, they had so many nice players. And so is next year going to be better? And, you know, as a coach, everybody's going to expect next year to be better than this year. And so that he might feel like the time is getting good. And then you add in the, you know, the, some of the stuff I think Pete Damo has written about, which I'll give him credit for that. A lot of college coaches are probably looking a little bit more fondly at the NFL now because of name, image and likeness uh, and all the things that are coming down the pike in terms of uh, dealing with college athletics. So you could see where I, Dan Mullen might want to get out as well. And you can see, you can see Florida having a, uh, a step back like LSU. Like they're losing about the same. They're losing what LSU lost on offense. Not as good, you know. Trask isn't Burrow, and those three Florida receivers aren't the three LSU receivers. But they're losing their whole offense, and LSU wasn't able to just pick up where they left off. It's just impossible. Look, Trask. I know he was bad in the Cotton Bowl, but he's the reason they won eight games. I mean, he he was he was really really good, and he he made those receivers look better than they'd ever looked. Because he got the ball on time, he, he hit him. He just saw the field. He was really good. They had an elite offense. They had a terrible defense and an elite offense. 
Well, next year, maybe their defense will be a little bit better, but that offense is going to take a big step back. And then, yeah, you just wonder what the long-term impact of trying to recruit with Dan Mullen doing all Dan Mullen things will be on that. Like, he's a good coach. We Nobody would argue that. He's a very good offensive coach. But he's so weird and awkward and goofy, and, and he rubs people the wrong way. He rubs administrators the wrong way. And you wonder how that might impact long-term recruiting. The the one the one difference I would say between them and LSU is that he actually does it's his offense, you know. Whereas yeah. Orgeron yeah. is just beholden to his assistant coaches. Yeah. I mean, it's like Dabo, you know. If he, it's not like Orgeron can can fix things or or tell an assistant coach what he wants. And LSU I mean, lost their OC, right? Yeah, exactly. One of them, Carolina, yeah. buddy. Yes, yeah. he's actually the the reason for the miracle turnaround of their offense that season. Right. So, uh, meaning LSU's national championship season, in which their quarterback goes from 16 touchdowns to 60. Yeah. So, yes, uh, that's a big loss. Uh, I would also I would also note. And by the way, those are real numbers. That's incredible. It sounds almost crazy to say out loud yeah. that that happened. It's like Buster Posey's six home runs to the 57 or whatever he hit his final year. Um, <laughs> right. Or, so, or De- DeMarcus Walker's crazy breakout. Yeah. yeah. That from year two to year three, it was like, what? Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, that that was real. And besides that, we had a uh, a number of years behind Orgeron that suggested he was something different than he ever was in that singular great year with a boy wonder OC. We knew the uh, mountains of evidence is that Orgeron's a clown and not a good coach. I think they've returned to him sure. being the clown and not a good coach that he's always been. Um, now, for Dan Mullen, I would just say he's a supreme play caller. That's really what he is. And I think he puts all of his quarterbacks in incredible positions to succeed, and he adapts to their skill set incredibly well. I give him credit for that. Aside from that, he's a clown. And, yeah, I would think that, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see, does he make the transformation to the NFL? Clearly he's thrown his name out there that he's available. It looks like to me that Florida would be happy for him to move along. We'll see if he comes back. But either way – to me, it spells a little bit of trouble and a bit of a setback for Florida, which is what you were alluding to in the first segment, which is that you need a little bit of a break. And that's what happened to all these teams that we're talking about when Florida State's Jimbo Fisher imploded, basically had a nervous breakdown off the field, locker room became poison, they went from winning 29 straight, impossible to beat, to a program out of control careening into the side of a mountain. Now, no, no, man, no, man. This thing was about to turn right around. You, you're- <laughs> You need to you need to check out Twitter and realize that FSU screwed it up by letting him leave because this thing was man it was yeah. it let, was let, humming. Let him leave in the midst of a losing record. Hey, uh, hey. right, yeah. yeah so, I mean, 2018 with DeAndre coming back. Oh sure. And sure. I mean yeah. that defense. It was all about to turn around. But the point would be we all knew this thing was broken. It was unlikely to be fixed. He wanted to hit the reset button. He got his gift from God, which is $75 million and unlimited access to incredible facilities, and he left. Fine. But I'm, I'm, Florida's providing that opportunity. Miami's never come back. For Curry's, Corey's point, he, th- he doesn't think they ever will. So, I mean, I, you've got a chance to kind of narrow the gap here a little bit. Next year is going to be important. That brings us back to Florida State. Why don't we talk about the Knowles for a second? What have you made about the comings and goings? How about that? Can we, can we we Before we do that, can we take a couple more shots at Miami? Real no, quick? we'll do that. Save that for the next segment. Let's okay, talk about ahead. Florida State a little. Go ahead, back. Corey. Um, I, I think, man, I, I am uh, really encouraged by the whole month of December. I think there has been a lot of addition by subtraction, a lot of it, more than can even be comprehended right now, just from a locker room chemistry point. But also, I think there's been addition by addition. I mean, I think you've gotten 
so far what was on the market you've gotten obviously i think the the most uh, maybe not the most well yeah the most talented quarterback um the most appealing quarterback in McKenzie Milton, the guy that had 92 touchdowns and all that, you got probably the most appealing defensive end pass rusher. Yes, you um, did. Yes, you did. A guy uh, on the market. And you got probably the most productive wide receiver that was out there on the market currently. Uh, so you went, you had huge positions of need, and you hit three of them pretty, uh, about as well as you could hit a transfer market for right now. For We're talking January 5th. Yeah, who knows who's coming out later, but for right now, January 5th, I think you've hit maybe not a home run, but like a double off the wall or a triple with these with these transfers that you've gotten in. You've really filled some needs, and I think if you put these three, plus the kid from Arkansas, you got some depth at corner, and he's – Lord, imagine being a, an Arkansas DB having to go up against the receivers he's had to go up against in the SEC West. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's been like eight first-round picks he's had to cover. Um, and a Heisman Trophy winner soon to be. So uh, so you, when you think about that, you've gotten four guys that are going to play immediately. And if you add them to the actual recruiting class, I know they don't do it like that. You would have one of the better recruiting classes in the ACC, in my opinion. Probably second or third best. You know, if you accounted for McKenzie Milton um, in, a, in a defensive end that's going to be the best you've had since DeMarcus Walker or since Brian Burns. But I think, I think they've done well. I think it's been a good December. Well, I agree with you. The one thing I would say, though, and you touched, you, you just kind of glanced over it there at the end, but it might have caught some people the way it caught me, is you say if you, if you add all that together, it might have been one of the best in the ACC, which is, is an important distinction to remember. Like, that's how far they still have to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's, you know, these pieces are nice. They're really nice pieces. But they just get you closer to probably that second tier. I mean, you're just – you're not even – Sniffing Clemson, um, and you're you're probably not, you know, uh, you, I thought Carolina looked really good against Texas A&M. You get, they got a lot of young talent coming. Sam Howell's only going to be a so, junior. So let me let me make it clear for everybody that if you if you understand while you're listening to us have this conversation that we also understand that Florida State is a million miles away from where they need to be. Right. And then proceed after having defined your terms. We can all have this discussion without having to constantly go back and you know throw in the caveats. Uh, I understand why you're doing it. I understand why we often do it. All three of us do because we don't want fans to misconstrue what we're saying. Uh, we get it. Florida State's not close. The point would be, though, Florida State got better. Florida right. State is better than they were. And with the additions, there's reason to get, you know, marginally excited. I think they can be appreciably better than they were last year, which is to say they could be a 500 team next year. And if they are, that's a step forward. And we're just looking for baby steps forward here, something to build on. And they've got an opportunity to do that now that they've probably flipped a lot of the locker room. They've got their guys in now, and they're adding – to the talent base. And so what you get on the field as well as off the field is improvement. And that's a reason to celebrate. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, I, another thing to pimp Warchan here for a second, I had a, did an interview with Josh storms, the strength and conditioning coach this week, as they get ready to go into the winter program next, next, next Monday. And one of the things he, he talked about, and this isn't groundbreaking necessarily. I think uh, we, we all kind of clued into it, but all, and also I think Norvell has alluded to it without making excuses, but missing that time in the off season last summer, not, not because of just the strength development or the speed work they would do, whatever it's, they didn't get to see, first of all, they didn't get to really see all the issues they had. 
because they hadn't been around the guys. And one of the things you do during the offseason is put those guys in tough situations to see how they handle it, how they handle adversity, how they work together, who, who, who you can trust, who you can't trust. Let them see that amongst themselves. When you lose all that, you go into a season, and they're figuring that out on the fly as they're trying to learn everything to get ready for a season. And then once you get into the season, it's, you know, bullets are flying. It's crazy. So you lost that time and you could sit there and say, okay, yeah, every team had to deal with that. But I think it's compounded by a first year coaching staff. And then it's compounded further, you know, because we could sit here and compare all the first year head coaches and most of them struggled this year. I mean, very few first year coaches did anything of relevance this, this season. Most of them are under well under 500, a couple are around 500, but it's compounded when you're at a program like Florida State, which went through what they went through for those three previous years. So, you know, I think arguably you could say this was the toughest coaching job in the country, given the circumstances. And, you know, they didn't do well. But but that part of it is a big part of it as well. So as you go into this next year, as you, Corey talked about addition by subtraction, you've gotten rid of some of the guys that weren't buying into the new regime. You're bringing in some new, more talented players. Um, from the transfer market, and then that part of it, now understanding who 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 the guys are and how they relate to each other and working on those things, I think is going to be huge for them as well. Again, it, is it going to put them in the championship content? I mean, I know you're, you're mad at me for qualifying it all the time. I'm I just feel like at, I need to. I'm just to. letting you know you don't have to do it incessantly because I feel I, like I'm I have mad, to. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you. Just shut it, Ira. Just talk. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. They're going to be awesome. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. So, Ira, piggybacking off the last segment, uh, did you happen when you sit down with Coach Storms to show him the picture, as you did uh, on Twitter to me, of uh, Alabama's offensive lineman and say (laughs) – this is what that afternoon host has been talking about for 10 years. We're not close. Can we get to this? What are we waiting on? Landon Dickerson gained 105 pounds in a month when he got a muscle. 105 pounds of muscle. In a month. Yeah. Whatever they're doing, we've got to get with the program. I can't keep this mantra going forever in perpetuity. Can we please just start doing what they're doing? I almost, I literally almost asked him at the end of the interview, hey, man. Like I took this picture of Alex Leatherwood at Alabama, and I don't know if you saw it, but he's got his his most people's thighs are smaller than his upper arm. I mean his his yeah. his bicep is bigger than most people's some people's waists. And his I mean, bicep what, goes like right into his shoulder. Like yeah, it's just one big old <laughs> bicep going up to his neck. And uh, but uh, no, I didn't ask him. I, I kind of I'm gonna ask him. All right, you should you should ask him. I did. I did. Tired of this nonsense. I did text it to somebody over at FSU, and uh, they just texted me back a a GIF of uh, or GIF as you like to say of uh, Drago uh, from Rocky. That's fine. We're trying to win games around here. What do we do? I mean, Landon Dickerson has to have some love for Florida State, right? Like he did. He did commit to Florida State. He did spend three years of his life in Tallahassee. Could he not just email? Maybe don't want a paper trail. Could he not just call Storms or call Norvell and say, "Look, here's the here's the regiment, here's the secret, here's what they're doing," other than just saying steroids? Because we're not implying that we're not implying that they're cheating over Alabama. You make your own conclusions of what we're saying, but they're doing something because it's not normal for 21 year old 
uh, people to what, look like that. What is what is what is important to to think about though when you when you when you look at those that picture is and, and, and Alex Leatherwood. Somebody pointed out to me he was a big dude coming out of high school. I mean, it's not like they took well, they get the better players. You know, yeah. So they get bigger, strong guys to start off with. But you look at that guy and you look at you know like Robert Scott. God bless him. Is a freshman out there playing left tackle. I mean. And I thought he did a, an amazing job for for a true freshman. I thought he did a really good job. He played really well. But like, pick up a picture and look at his arms and his upper body, and then look at it, it, look at Landon guys. Dickerson's it's, body. It's like Just, they're, it's like Dickerson they're playing a different sport. Yeah. yeah. No. What I'm saying is, look, man, Landon Dickerson was here for three years. He could have looked a lot better than he did by the time he left. And then when he gets there, within months, he looks like that. It's he looks absurd. like a pro wrestler. He looks like a pro wrestler. And, and the other thing I would seriously ask Coach Storms or any other strength and conditioning coach for that matter, and uh, we actually are friends with one, Todd Stroud, went to my high school, played at my high school. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, man. Those guys all read the same books. They all know the same stuff in terms of nutrition, when to work out, how to work out, uh, dynamic workouts, sports-specific workouts, functionality. All of that stuff is incorporated by every reasonably educated strength and conditioning coach. You're not getting hired at big-time schools if you don't have at least a basic understanding of nutrition and obviously functionality, functionality and all of that. I can't fathom how it is Alabama is doing something so appreciably better than everybody else. Now, on the one hand, they get better players. So it starts there without question. The guys are all bigger and stronger when they get there. But clearly, they're doing something, whatever that might be, as Corey said, you decide, um, that changes those individuals, transforms those individuals into superhuman beings. It's unreal. What, does Georgia not know how to do it? Does, does nobody else know how to do it? The best. What's going on? The best response to that picture was what somebody somebody goes like basically the caption is like the referees looking at the uh, Notre Dame players going are you are you sure we want to play today do we want to do yeah. this like, yeah, sure? yeah, yeah. and and Notre Dame's front I love Notre Dame's defense yeah. they've got like four or five guys that I love um, and yet they had no chance it's crazy and Georgia does have a good offensive line every year but I'm just noting nobody looks like Alabama ever so yeah. I want to know what the hell's going on. Yeah, well, no. Landon Dickerson's the conduit. Landon Dickerson's the way to get in there. Um, we, we, you know, he got two years in that system. He looks like a, di- he literally looks like a different person. Like even his face, I, I was like, that's Landon Dickerson when they showed him on the sideline. That's not Landon Dickerson. Who knows if it is Landon Dickerson? We, we, I mean, you know what I mean? He might, Landon Dickerson might be in a bunker somewhere, and this is just a kid wearing the last name. I don't know, but he looked like a completely different person. So just give us, just give Florida State a couple of bullet points, Landon, of what they got to do. You know, you know who the conduit is. It's Jeff Purinton. Yeah, there you and go. He's a Florida State graduate. Come on, baby, Jeff. I'm talking to you. By the we way, I don't think out. we should we shouldn't get through the first hour. Uh, and I and I like dealing with Kendo. He seemed like a nice enough guy. Has there ever been in the history of college football a defensive end who declared for the NFL draft early, who had zero sacks that year? So I want to say this to that. In 13 total tackles. Okay, so I want to say this to that. I understand why he's ready to move on. His time here has not gone well. Uh, He probably feels like with all of the changeover, perhaps the injuries coupled with maybe being misused in his mind, whatever it might be, that he's just better off declaring now and starting whatever kind of pro career he can have. And I don't begrudge him that. The numbers certainly aren't there to suggest that he's going to be well thought of in the draft. But his body type, 
uh, might wow some folks and they'll take a flyer on that guy. The thing is, for a number of years now, and you know how old fans are, I've kind of not even, you know, I haven't been ambiguous about it. I've kind of said that kid can't play. And people get furious at me for saying it at the start of every year when we have these <laughs> wild projections like he's going to have six sacks, ten sacks, nine sacks, which would be shocking given his career numbers. And I'm always like, no, he's not. No, he's not. He can't play. And people get furious. Can we now just say it, Corey? Because you just did. Yeah. He can't play, man. But what I, I just – I don't know if it's – I don't want to use him as just – well, I do, but I, I don't want people to think I'm just picking on him. But when you talk about something that might be uh, having to do with a culture, in my opinion, a culture problem, is somebody like Kando that comes in as a five-star, super-duper recruit, obviously comes to Florida State thinking he's going to play two, three years and be gone to the NFL. But once that's not a reality, obviously, it, to me it's like uh, the seventh man on a bench at Florida State saying, I'm going to, I'm declaring for the NBA. I mean, what, 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 how del- is he delusional? Well, the, is he, would, does he just not like the school he plays for and wants to move on? And the same thing with Janarius, the same thing with, well, really, those. I mean, imagine having two defensive ends go pro. That, and I know Janarius has been here five years, so that's a little more understandable. But he, they had three sacks combined between the two of them. Ira, you tweeted out like the, you wanted play, players that declare to check a box and let them know why they're leaving, which is funny, and I agree. But secondly, I want to I just follow up real quickly. I'm strictly talking about the ability to rush the passer. Sure. So, yeah. So, okay, I just I want to clarify there. Kando is fine as an edge setter. And if that's what you need in your defense and you've got a, a dynamic pass rusher or a guy that you bring in on third downs to rush the passer, that's fine. Kando can provide something for you. I'm not saying he's devoid of talent. He's just never been a pass rusher. Not once since he's arrived has he shown a sign of being a pass rusher. You're on mute, dude. So what's going on here? My bad. You're forgetting Delaware State. <laughs> I mean, four sacks, my man. Four we keep acting like he doesn't have any film. He's um, got film uh, <laughs> from three years guys, ago. Going back to Corey's thing, uh, personally, man, you cannot mention culture problems in Josh Kando. There's like 40 dudes or 30 dudes you'd put on that list before you got to Josh Kando. And I know your sure. point wasn't he's a bad guy. I don't think it's I don't think Josh Kando at the end of the season said, you know what? That's a body of work. Let's go. What are you gonna pay me? I think re- remember how he was after he got hurt in the season opener. And he was you know, he was crying on the field. And then he ended up it ended up not being as serious. Yeah. I think after what he went through the year before, I think that was probably in his head the whole year. Man, I don't want to get hurt again. And I think he's just thinking, you know what? I know I'm not gonna get drafted, and this is just me guessing. I don't think he's delusional to think he's going to be a first or second round pick. I'm not going to get drafted in the first few rounds. Maybe I don't get drafted at all, but let me just start on that process, yes. trying to make some money yeah. and and do what I can do. He's also a that at all. No, exactly. And he's a guy that he is super bright. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, what's, the, that's why I don't understand. And well, and they'll pay for him to come back to college when he, you know, the FSU now helps those guys. They, I think they pay for their, their tuition and books when they come back. Um, so, you know, he'll, even if football doesn't work out, he'll get his degree. He'll have a great life and, and all that. So I think I, he's going to end up on a roster, guys. I really do. No, he, he really might. I, said, I think he will. Yeah. He might. Um, what, you know, I think what would be – so really I don't have any major issues with any of those guys because most of them 
like Janaris, I mean, he's been here five years. And I know yeah. like people are hoping. And, well, and he is, he is what he is, but right, exactly. the truth of the matter is he's not going to be play. He's not, neither one of those guys, in my opinion, are going to be paid to play football. They might make a, a practice squad for a year, but they're not going to be able to, they, they probably, their football careers are close to being done. Um, and it feels like they just, they're done with Florida state. I don't like, think that's it. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, I, and I wouldn't begrudge, I'm just done with college, just done with, um, but you know, I, I remember writing this when Travis Rudolph went pro, it's like, man, it, there is something to be said for having shelter and food and everything paid for to play football. Like I bet Travis Rudolph's sophomore year in college is better than Travis Rudolph in 2020, whatever he did in 2020. You know what I mean? Like, I think there is something to appreciate about being a college football player when the option is you're going to the real world and the real world's going to kick in the ass. Well, I think there's two things I would say there, and there are different situations with Jonaris and Josh. Josh, again, I do think if it's the injury part of it, which I do think is a big part of it, then it's not, that's not a statement about Florida State. It's, man, I just don't want to get hurt again. I want to go see if I can do this. I get hurt will be. When I'm paid. Yeah, I'm getting a check. And then and then with Janaris. But you don't see like that in other it, places. Like, the good ones. Clemson and Alabama and the Ohio States of the world, the guys that don't do well, they don't just declare to go pro. They come back and try to make a name for themselves so they can go no, to the listen, NFL. This has been don't. an unprecedented time. Florida State's no, Yeah, they, no, that's what I'm saying. I, I just think it that I I don't think it's I think it's it's mostly Kendo, but there is some Florida State in there too, but, where it says something about Florida State that now for the second time in four years you're going to have a defensive end. You're going to have two defensive ends that declared early that don't get drafted after Jalen Wilkerson, who again is a co- totally different story. But you're seeing this a lot at Florida State. These guys declare early that don't even get drafted. Dude, first of all, do you? I mean, look at the transfer portal. There's a thousand, two thousand guys in the transfer portal who all are not happy with their current situation. So right. it's not unique to Florida State. I think one thing we need to realize is the college football experience that we glamorize is not necessarily what those guys see in their daily lives. They, you know, you know, and again, like this, everybody thinks these guys, cause they get the extra year that they're going to want to come back. I've said all along, uh, Janaris Robinson got his degree a year ago. So now he's yeah. going to go to a second year of grad school type classes just to play football that he may not even, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, Emmett Rice is going to have that have decision. I don't know that, I don't know that a six year of college football is as much fun the way it is now, the way it's a job, the way those guys have to, they're accounted for every minute of every day. And then having a year in a COVID world, I just don't know that's as much fun as glamorous as as we might think. I think what we did here was if you fully vet these situations individually, you do really realize it is individualistic. It's, it's what's your set of circumstances. What's yours. They're different all the time. Some guys desperately need the money. Other guys, can't stand school and and never wanted to be in school, but the rules are the way they are, and they couldn't go straight to the NFL. Other guys, yeah, you're right. They did. They don't want to. What are they going to improve their stock playing for a sixth year, getting another year older when they're already as good as they're going to be? It's different for everybody, and in some situations, it's because Florida State's been a dumpster fire for four years, and that they're ready to move on. It's time, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I would, I, to me, it would have made more sense for Kendo to transfer. Just to go pro is just, to me, a bizarre. I hope it works out for him. Really, I've always had – he is a really bright guy. We've yeah, always had good conversations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, I don't know if that's bad advice. I, I don't think he's – he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would but take bad advice. If, the, if it's but, the trans, if, if, it's, if it's injuries, then transferring wouldn't fix that. No. If he's worried about getting hurt again, transferring is not going to change that. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, yeah, sure. But you, you brought up looking at the transfer portal. Like, 
To go pro when you had zero sacks and 13 tackles is nutty. We can rationalize it any way we want. It's nutty. Nobody's ever done that in the history of college football. I'm on record, Corey Clark, right now, having done no research. I feel confident that there has never been a defensive end that's played an entire season, gotten zero sacks, and declared for the NFL. You, you declared for the NBA draft. With, with, I didn't ever say the NBA draft. I said the NFL draft. I was probably the first person to never play a second of college basketball or high school basketball. I even play high school basketball. I played one year of sixth grade basketball. We'll and, come uh, back, wrap up the hour momentarily. Seminole Headlines, 97.9 ESPN Radio continues in a moment. Seminole Headlines will take a breather. More next. Seminole Headlines, presented by Capital City Bank, returns now on 97.9 ESPN Radio. All right, a little three-minute segment here before we get to headliner questions. People yelling at their radios, thank God. Uh, that we'll we'll get to those questions. Although I think this has been a spirited and uh, and, and fun hour, uh, a reminder of just how awesome this show really is. Hey, That's why I think this hour is provided for the people. For sure, for sure. It's it's a you know a refresher after a couple of weeks off. I would we never got to make fun of Miami. So here's the thing: I, I was talking to somebody about this uh, yesterday over at FSU. Like, how good was that Miami team? Really, we saw them early in the year when they looked. I mean, when we walked out of that game, when they crushed, well, you know, Florida State, you're thinking, okay, you know, Miami must be unreal. Um, but I didn't it turns think- out, yeah, that, well, I mean, you know, De'Ara King, those defensive ends, I mean, they looked really good. They looked like a good football team. Then you look at really who they beat during the season. I mean, they barely beat Pitt. They barely beat Virginia. They barely beat Virginia Tech. I mean, it wasn't like they were just crushing people. And then as the year went on, I thought even before De'Ara King got hurt, their offense, I mean, their defense was terrible, but their offense didn't even look explosive anymore either. Um, so I don't know what they're going to be next year. I don't know that they're going to be – I don't know that they're – I don't know how good they really were this year, but I really don't know how good they're going to be next year. I mean, it's they're, they'll be the same. They'll, they could get to eight or nine wins or they could get to six wins. You know, they're going to be three or four coin flip games that um, they won this year. Like they, You didn't mention the NC State game, but that was a coin flip game too. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that that's where Miami will live for the rest of our lives is Let's between say, that so six and eight win ratio. Imagine if Miami and Florida State had played in week eight and Jordan Travis was healthy. What kind of game is that at that point? Well, Even they this, still would have lost because they, they can't but, cover but, anyone. But what would the game have looked? It would have looked completely different. Yeah, saying. it wouldn't have been It wouldn't have been a blow. It wouldn't have been a laugher. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they faced Florida State on James Blackman's last start. With, and they with, got to With no Mike Norvell. Hey, by the way, is Blackman uh, – yeah, without Norvell. By the way, the Browns – do you see the Browns coaching staff tested positive? Yeah, yeah Stefanski's got out, yeah. That, fig- that figures. I was with Stephanie, by the way, watching the Browns game. Um, she's, where, she's wearing – it's her dad. Her dad passed away in 2013, but he had a Courtney Brown jersey. Wow. The great Courtney Brown from the 2000 draft. So she wears that when she's watching the Browns. And once – the uh, who they, the Steelers started making a comeback. I'm like, you've got to take that jersey off. Now, this wasn't an excuse for her to get her take her clothes off. Yeah, I'm right. saying, go change your shirt. That shirt has been bad luck for two decades. Like, why do you still wear it? I'll get you a Chubb jersey. I'm not getting you a Baker Mayfield jersey because I just can't on principle. But I'll get you a Nick Chubb jersey. <laughs> and she still wore it. And thank God that guy somehow recovered that onside kick between yes. his legs. Um, and then she started crying, which was kind of cool, but it, it may it, it freaked Brady out a little bit that she started crying, but she was uh, very excited. And it lasted for three days because now their head coach has COVID. 
Well, so and they were going to lose that game anyhow. Well, but, sure they were. Yeah, so, that, they, you know, it's it's more about the accomplishment of getting there, Corey. That's yeah, all. exactly right. Just crossing that threshold and getting back to the playoffs for the first time. Uh, hey, like the Bucks. Congratulations, yeah. man. You did it. Yeah, yeah, we got back. Uh, unlike, uh, you know, the Bucks, though, Cleveland and Atlanta and teams like that have not won Super Bowls. So it's, it's you know, oh, right. it's a little I mean, different. If, if you want to grip the accomplishment from 17 years ago, like Miami yeah. Hurricanes fans, yeah, have yeah. at it, man. Those are the best kind of fans. Well, no, what I want to say is you can't dismiss us as a group that has never won a Super Bowl or had <laughs> sure. success because we had a run of lot of success. Uh, right. Whereas Cleveland, on the other hand, you got to go back to Ernest Biner. So it's a little even bit then they haven't they've never even been to a Super Bowl. No, they they never have. No. Hey, real quick, the other great present I got from a, from somebody affiliated with some of the headlines was uh, our guy Les, one of our listeners down in South yeah. Florida, an FSU fan. I, I saw a, it. I watched it like six times and showed how, it to my son Bryce because he loves people who make fun of Trump and he thought that guy was the best. That cameo guy, it was awesome. So yeah, he he he's been doing Trump impersonations. Did you tweet forever. that out? I did. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, it's awesome. That that that's a really good impression. It's an amazing impression. Le Patan did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Le Patan. And the funny thing is, he uh, like that's how he always does it when he does them normally. He always just he's just wandering around the streets. Yeah, he's, he's always at a gas station. Just just riffing and uh, but uh, he also you know he mentions Yarna several several times. Yes, he does. So, so Kim now is like. I really need to go back and listen to that yarn episode. And I'm like, nah, yeah, I don't know that you really need to. Absolutely. Just, you do. Just know it was the highlight of the year. <laughs> I'm so proud of the fact that I brought that to the world's attention because <laughs> we were sitting here and I could not keep my eyes off of the bundles of yarn that were behind you that day. Yeah. Just you see, oodles I'm... and oodles of yarn. And I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around, like you were saying words and I was focusing on the <laughs> orange ball of yarn. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? What's going on at the Chappelle household that we got all this yarn? And then we, the world learned a secret. So that's <laughs> why you, you like the picture I sent you. That's why you noticed. Yeah, I did. That was that. Oh yeah, that place was nice. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're into yarn, but uh, you notice I don't sit in front of the yarn anymore. No, I've, no, I've had to change. Well. You've you've uh, scorned me to uh, change. So my, yeah, my people go to go to Iris Twitter feed. Uh, I mean, don't follow him because there's no point. But go to his Twitter feed and scroll down until you find the. The guy, the the cameo appearance from the Trump impersonator, because it's uh, it's really really good, and it's long. It's like three minutes long. Yeah, he I mean, did a good job. You he got you got your money's right. worth. And cameo yeah. for the people that don't. We need to be on cameo. You can pay celebrities exorbitant amounts of money to say hello to you well, on a on a video feed or like on a, a recorded video. Go back. Remember when this happened? I know Ira does. Yeah, with Andy Dick. Yeah, Andy Dick, man, that was yeah. like, that was incredible. But, so I went, but I think Andy Dick was like seventy five bucks. Whoever got like that, hundred, I think it might have been a hundred. And I apologize that I don't remember who bought that for us. But Bill, uh, Jeff, Jeff knows that. Yes. Oh, okay. So, but you go and look at them now. They're like most of them are like six hundred dollars. Every person in the office, the cast of the office. It's like four hundred and fifty bucks to have Kevin say, "Hey, what's up, Corey? Happy birthday!" I mean, like, I don't, I don't know that I need that. You don't need it, Corey. But well, if anybody wants us to do it, we'll we'll be happy to do start a cameo. cameo account first yeah. of all. Yeah. And, and uh, shout out to Le Patron for uh, Le Patron. But but I would tell you, I actually think we could be on cameo because given who's on cameo. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm not so sure. We're not more. I just don't know what like we, 60%. I don't know what we, char- I don't know what we charge though. Would it be like five bucks? Uh, no, I was just at 5,000. You only oh. got to get one person to do it. Yeah. 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 Hour number two forthcoming headliner questions. Hang in. Seminal headlines. will take a breather more next. 